0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In 1 John chapter 5, the apostle John declared, quote, "I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life." If you have genuinely received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, if you are trusting and relying on him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, then you can know with certainty that you have eternal life and will go to heaven when you die. Are you certain that you have eternal life in Jesus Christ? Are you certain that Jesus is living in you and that you will go to heaven when you die? Let's open our Bible now to 1 John chapter 5 that we might truly quote, "know that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord." Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching it is a tuesday afternoon here in texas and it's a just a good afternoon to be spending time with jesus to be loving on jesus to be to be studying the word of god that we might know jesus more that we might love him more that we might obey him more that we might have deeper fellowship with him so thank you lord jesus it's a it's a good day it looks like uh, lord willing we will finish first john today um we are in chapter five, and uh, we 're looking to do verses thirteen to twenty one and wrap up the book of first john i don 't know how many how many teachings it was I had had this grand idea it was going to be ten teachings, and it was probably more like fifteen or sixteen or something like that so i don't know, but thank you, Lord jesus has been a good book, a good study. We studied chapter five and Bible study with the, the kingdom D leaders today, and it was uh man, it was good and uh one of the elders Jesse and I just just talk for about 40 minutes over verse 16. And so that was pretty interesting. So father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. We thank you for this book of first John father. We thank you for the, the revelation in this book, father, the insight, the understanding that we have in this book of the Bible in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But father above all, as always, we thank you for Jesus our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died and we thank you that you're alive and risen today and we worship you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we do this last teaching in 1 John. As always, we ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, First John chapter five, verses 13 to 21. 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. I refer to those those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that he should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin. And there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him, who is true, even in His Son Jesus Christ? He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Wow! Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's a big one, dear children. Keep yourselves from idols. Verse twenty-one. I was when I was preparing for the study. You know, different uh, different scholars point out different things, and different preachers and different insights. And again, when I'm preparing for a teaching, I'm looking to see what the Holy Spirit is showing me, then I see what other responsible men of God have, have gleaned from the text, other scholars and other theologians. Um, but uh, Charles Spurgeon, who's considered, you know, the prince of preachers, so to speak, who, who taught the Bible verse by verse by verse by verse with a zeal and a passion to drive people to know Christ and to live for Jesus, It really, in a way that that a preacher should. I mean, he's an example of of Paul, right? And uh, and we ought to be emulating this kind of strong, passionate Bible teaching. But uh, but Charles Spurgeon had apparently preached a sermon on verse twenty one, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. And you know the discussion of of an idol. You know what are the idols in our lives? Obviously, we should keep ourselves from any physical idol, right? From bowing down to a statue of Buddha or something like that. Obviously, okay. But but an idol is 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 anything that has a hold of your heart and competes with Jesus. And all of us have elements of these things. And 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 we even are are are, are deeply embedded in these in these things, and we don't take it serious. You know, we were talking this morning in Bible study about these things. And, and again, if just to give some examples, if you can watch 30 hours of TV in a week, that, that that's an idol. OK, um, if we're obsessed with our own appearance, if we're obsessed and we can spend hours upon hours a day trying to always look, you know, so pretty on the outside or so handsome on the outside, then you, you've made an idol of yourself. Right. You can make money an idol where you're just obsessed with having more and more and more and more money. Um, hobbies can be an idol. OK, um, you know, if if you're watching football, you know, or baseball and, you know, and, and you obsess over it and you have to gamble on every game, that's an idol. If you play Xbox or PC games, you know, 25, 30, 35, 40 hours a week, that's a clear idol that has a, a place in your heart that's too big. And the, and the issue is that, that when we have these things, it can be a relationship with a girlfriend or a, it can be with a child or with a relative or a family, right? When something or someone has a place in your heart that that that's, that obviously is consuming you, it, it's going to keep you from walking with Jesus in a way that you otherwise could. And there's just no doubt of that. So again, we we want to It's fine to have all our hobbies, obviously, in moderation. It's fine to watch TV in moderation. But again, to to, to binge in any of these things, to have a, to have a, you know, a, a beer or two or a couple of drinks or whatever, again, all in moderation is fine. But it's when we, you know, when we become engrossed in things that are not Christ, that they can become an idol to us. Literally, if we examine our life, If someone was to look at our life, it would appear that that situation, that person, that hobby is more important to us than Jesus, right? If they were to just step back and look at us and see whatever we're doing, do you have more interest or more excitement in that than you do in Jesus, right? Um, And so I was asking some of the guys and some of the guys had really good insights as to why that was this morning. One of the guys made the point that, you know... um, you know when 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 playing a game and you know you're really into it and there's strategy and it is it, it is good for your mind right some of these new new video games have you have to you have to have strategy they're good for your reflexes but and i was asking why is it more interesting than jesus and this man was candid when he said that you know it just uh, it, it it just really it, it really really it, it, it takes my imagination to a place that that frankly I don't I don't go get to in Jesus Christ. And it and, and I'm able to control the situation, right? My actions when I'm playing the game, these are very sophisticated games, um, you know, that you know, my actions and their team games and you know, they have they have immediate consequences, right? Um, and then there's a there's a certain power in it and excitement in it when you're good. And so to this man's credit, it was, it was, it was good, right? Because when you think about that, he's basically saying there is an immediate sense and gratification that comes from his this particular hobby, right? Of of, of gaming or playing games. And, and whatever it is, right? It could be a person, right, or a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, or a husband, or a wife. And of course, we need to love our family, love our children, but We need to keep ourselves from idols, keep ourselves from being engrossed in things that are not Jesus. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the verse. We've mentioned it from the first teaching. This is the reason john writes the book he's in his ending remarks his concluding remarks now and he says i write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of god so that you may know that you be certain that you actually have and possess eternal life john wants you to know he's gone through every chapter of this book he didn't put chapters in it but of this letter that that if you're a believer today if you're clinging to jesus alone trusting in jesus alone if you have your full confidence And hope and reliance for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, deliverance from the wrath of God and eternal hell, and to go to heaven. If all your confidence in those things is in Jesus alone, then you can be confident that you presently right now have eternal life. That you are one with Jesus, that God the Father is your heavenly Father, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and Master and King. God the Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, your comforter, and you will indeed go to heaven when Jesus comes or when you die. He wants you to know that, and throughout the book, he's given a, a series of examinations that we can do in ourselves to examine ourselves to see if we truly are saved. If you look down that uh, in verse 18, he'll do it again here. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. Okay, so again, when he says we know that anyone born of God, meaning when we've received eternal life, spiritual life, we've been born, we've already been born physically, but we were born again spiritually, we have another birth spiritually when we receive Jesus, we have eternal life now or spiritual life as well as natural life. John says that in that state, we don't continue to sin, meaning we don't continue in a a nonstop, unbroken, unrepentant state of sin continually on and on and on and on and on with, with, with no grief, no repentance, right? That's a sign that we're really not saved. That's a way we can know that We very possibly don't have eternal life, that we're not saved, that we may believe in Jesus intellectually or, you know, we may give intellectual assent to Jesus existence, but we're not really trusting in him. We're not relying on him. He's not living in us because, you know, we can continue in just flat disobedience with no regard for it. We're not grieved. um, We're not sad. Um, you know, we're not convicted, um, and we can just live in blatant disobedience. Someone who's a true Christian, you know, they can, you know, none of us are perfect, but when we, when we live in sin, when we live in ongoing sin, right, when there's a sinful pattern in our life, you know, you know, whatever it is, you know, that there ought to be a grief, there ought to be an acknowledgement of it, there ought to be a confession of it, you know, to our Lord, And there ought to be an effort for it to stop, right? And this is one of the evidences that we're genuine Christians, right? And John has given these throughout throughout this letter. Verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So John here is, is, is talking about prayer, and he's going to get into some specific prayer in, in verse, uh, verses 16 and 17, which are, which are pretty remarkable. But He says here, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. So again, in Jesus, God the Father is your heavenly Father, okay? Um, remember, our God is one being, three separate, distinct, individual persons. God the Father, God the Son Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit right? He's so immense that although he's one being, he's three persons. You and I are one being, a human being, and we're one person because we're finite, right? What I am is a human being. Who I am is John Morton, okay? Same with you. What you are is a human being. Who you are is whatever your name is, right? So this is the confidence we have in approaching God. So again, we can have confidence when we approach him, first of all, if we're in Jesus Christ. And we know we're in Jesus Christ, okay? This is the confidence we have approaching God, that if we ask, this is, again, asking in prayer, and again, you can pray to God the Father, you can pray to God the Son, Jesus, you can pray to God the Holy Spirit. They're all God, right? That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him, okay? So the first thing He says is that if we ask anything according to His will. Okay, so um, obviously, you know, when we pray, you know, the closer we are to Jesus, the more deep and intimate our relationship with Jesus is, the more we've walked with Jesus, the more we've matured in our walk with Jesus, the more obedient we are in our walk with Jesus, the more we will be praying prayers that are in line with with the will of our heavenly father, with the will of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we know his will? We know it by being in the scriptures. You cannot know what the will of your heavenly father is, what the will of Jesus, what the will of the Holy Spirit is, if you're not spending time in your Bible. So again, how much time are you spending in your Bible? If you're consistently listening to these teachings, well, you know, there's two a week, there's 30 minutes each. So, so that's an hour that you're spending listening to verse by verse teaching in the Bible. But that, that ought to be like dessert for you. Right. Um, if you're going to church, that's a good thing, and you're listening to a you get a, you get a, a forty minute sermon a week. Okay, that's a great thing, but that ought to be dessert. You need to be spending time in the Word of God, reading the Word of God, listening to the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God. The more you do this, the more you're going to know His will, and the more your prayers will be in accordance with His will. It's exciting, right? This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And again, the word hear there means like he's, you know, he's not only listening, but he's going to grant our request, right? And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him, okay? So again, we ought to be consistently praying, you know, all the time for, you know, for the things we, we need, right? And even for things we desire, okay? But, you know, to give you an example, suffering, sickness, disease, hardship. We ought to consistently be in prayer to our Heavenly Father, to Jesus, and to the Holy Spirit just throughout the day, uh, you know, for ourselves and certainly on behalf of others that we know are going through difficult times and difficult sicknesses and difficult struggles. I know i in my own life. Father, again, I want to lift up all those that are just struggling with sickness of disease. I lift up Lord Joe Wyckoff and Jim Bristol, Lord. I I lift up Richard and Janet Swan, Father. I lift up Lori Callender, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I lift up, I lift up Chris McRae, Terry Moore, Lord, all those who are, just, who are just going through different sicknesses and diseases and hardships. Father, I lift up my wife, Lord, and just the, the back pain she's been dealing with. I just ask for your mercy. I ask for your deliverance. I ask for your healing in them, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So again, this says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, when it comes to suffering, okay, I'm praying earnestly. I earnestly meant I was convicted to pray right there for those people. I'm sure there's many more that I know. Forgive me if I didn't mention you there, if you're struggling with sickness or disease or hardship or suffering. Um, but, you know, it may be our Father's will that we go through the particular suffering. It may be his will that he's, he's molding us and training us. It may be that he's allowing us to suffer for Christ, right? So again, we want to continue to pray, okay? Um, now again, there are, the more we're praying in line with the scriptures, the more we'll be praying in line with his will, right? And, and you know, when we're sick or struggling, many times, oftentimes, maybe all the time, he does answer us. Perhaps he mitigates the sickness, perhaps because of my prayer there, he'll heal or bring total deliverance to any of those I've prayed for. And I've been praying for all those people for a long time, Um, you know, different weeks or months, Um, some a long time, golly, some years. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, perhaps he, he lessens the pain or the difficulty. Again, we don't know. How, we, you know, how he answers the prayer. Again, I like my prayers to be answered completely and immediately, personally, right? But I, I really get what I want. But again, we know that he hears us whatever we ask. We know that we, we know we have what we asked of him. So again, you want to continually be in prayer, continually petitioning our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ our Lord and the Holy Spirit for this deliverance. Now in verse 16 and 17, he's going to give some interesting interesting things to pray for. Look what he says here in in 16. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that he should pray about that. Verse 17, all wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. What is John saying here? Okay, so John is not talking about spiritual death here, okay? Once we've gone from spiritual death to spiritual life by genuinely trusting in Jesus Christ, we cannot die spiritually. We're one with the Holy Spirit, we're kept by the Holy Spirit, we're sealed in the Holy Spirit, okay? So what John is talking about here, and then again, I was talking to one of the elders, Jesse, about this today, and I, we talked about it in Bible study. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. Um, This is actually talking about when you look into your own life. When I look into my life, okay, Jesse prayed for me today that, 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 you know, my, my impatience, again, I am working. I'm working. I am actually working on my impatience, right? Um, But again, there are, there are times I can be, I can be impatient, right? And, and for me, my lack of patience, Again, it's when I'm dealing with a situation that's unreasonable, and yet the Lord continues to seemingly bring them into my life for that reason. My lack of patience, my, my, my impatience is, is in some ways worse than whatever is causing the impatience, right? And, you know, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is, love is patient. See, we may consider that as a, as a little thing, Right. Pride. We were we were praying for a couple of guys in in the in our, in our group who struggle with pride and, and arrogance. Right now, again, to look at them, they're they're good men. They're walking with Christ, but but they would admit, yes, they they do struggle with pride and arrogance, and it is sin. Okay, um, perhaps you're struggling with gossip, and you know someone who struggles with gossip. Instead of complaining about it or gossiping about their gossip, go ahead and pray for them. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray. And God will give him life. I mean, how often do you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Instead of just complaining about whatever different aspects of sin that they have in their life, right? Perhaps it's uh, today I did a prayer on behalf of of myself and and the kingdom discipleship leaders over a lack of gratitude, a lack, a real lack of thankfulness. The fact that we can be so consistently discontent grumbling, complaining, right? I mean, as believers in Jesus Christ, we've been so blessed, let alone in the West, compared to everywhere else in the world, that we ought to have just a consistent contentment. But when I look in my own life, I still have, I have times and days and situations where I can be discontent. And it's not okay. So I was repenting over that today. And I was praying for the other guys, you know, People that I know that, that live in this same type of, uh, you know, of presumption, this same type of not being consistently and genuinely thankful for this incredible life that we live. Now, these men would admit this, okay, um, that, that they are far too often discontent or unhappy or frustrated. And again, the, the reason they're frustrated is because of problems or difficulties or hardships. But at the same time, we've been given so much. We are so blessed that, that that we ought not be grumbling and complaining, right? And so what John is saying here is that we ought to be praying not only for ourselves, but for our brothers and sisters in Christ, for areas of their character that are in sin. It's not sin that leads to death. Okay. There is sin that leads to death, right? Or there can be ongoing sin in a person's life where the Lord takes him home, right? Back in the Old Testament, um, you know, when King David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, he had her husband Uriah killed, sent to the front line so that he would be killed. And he had, he had hid the whole thing. The prophet Nathan came to him and he gave him a story and said, you know, that, that a man had one lamb and that lamb was taken. And this was a picture of what David had done to Uriah and taken his wife. And and David is so angry at the story, he tells Nathan, you know, surely this man should die. And then Nathan confronts King David and says, You are the man. And immediately David repents. And Nathan says to him, You shall not die. And really, what was going to happen there is David was at a point. King David, one of the greatest men of God ever, was at a point in sin where if, if he didn't stop, if he didn't repent and acknowledge his sin before the Lord, the Lord would have killed him. The Lord would have taken him home right there. In Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira come to Peter. These are believers. Yes, genuine believers in Christ. And they came to to Peter and they, you know, they pretended to give a full offering. They, 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 They had said they sold a piece of land and they had said they'd given every penny of the sale to the work of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't true. They had kept money back for themselves. And this was so egregious that immediately they both fell dead at the, uh, at the feet of the Apostle Peter. Okay. So there is sin that leads to death. In our country, right, you can be put to death for murder. Okay. That's a sin that leads to your physical death immediately. Right. Um, meaning, again, that, that, that murder is a sin that can lead to your physical death. Treason. Helping the, the enemy. In a time of war against your own country is a sin that you can be put to death for. But again, gossip is not a sin that you're put to death for. So again, when you see character issues in your brothers and sisters in Christ, we do do accountability and that's good. But how often do we actually pray, right? When you look at your wife and the struggles that you have or your husband and you see the things that are wrong with them, right? Right. And believe me, there are wives who could say what's wrong with their husbands and husbands who say what's wrong with their wives. How often are you praying for them? How often do you pray that the Lord would, would, would help them to repent, that they would have life in victory in this situation. It's radical, right? Because each of us seem to have a lot of things that we need prayer for. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. Again, John ha- doesn't have the idea. In our culture today, there are so many things. There's indifference. There's apathy. There's, there's so many things that we could pray for in ourselves and others. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that he should pray about that. Verse 17, all wrongdoing is sin. There it is, okay? All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death, okay? So, again, John has the idea that we're going to be growing less and less sinful, and that we should be growing more and more holy, okay? So, again, if you know a brother or sister that's struggling, again, whatever it is, right, they struggle with greed, they struggle with gluttony, they struggle with lust, right? are you praying for them right how, how often do we spend i found today as i was studying this and we talked about it in bible say I, I don't pray enough about about the lord helping my brothers and sisters in christ who i know are struggling with different kinds of sins to repent hmm. all wrongdoing is sin there it is anything we do wrong is sin Okay, so we can't play with that. It's, it's a word we often don't like to use a whole lot in the church, but all wrongdoing is sin. Verse 17, and there is sin that does not lead to death. Verse 18, we already talked about this. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Again, we'll never be perfect. But what he's saying, if you're a genuine Christian today, as I've already said, you cannot live in total, complete, continual, unrepentant sin, indifference to whatever it is with no conviction at all. Because if you're saved and you're genuinely saved, you have spiritual life, eternal life, you're born of God, Jesus lives in you, and there should be a grief and a conviction in you. Again, it doesn't mean we can't sin in the same way over and over, but there ought to be a grief. If you can live in any type of just gross, unrepentant sin, right? Let's say you could just live in continual sexual immorality. and It doesn't bother you at all. You really want to check your heart to see if you're really saved, right? Um, am I really saved, right? If I can live in adultery, if I can live in sexual immorality, um, you know, or, or or any of them, right? if I can just live with a consistent, you know, greed and selfishness, and I don't care about anyone or anything, why would I believe that I'm really saved and that Jesus is living in me? We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe and, and the evil one cannot harm him. So again, certainly Jesus keeps us safe. And when we're born again, you know, that that we have the power in cooperation with Jesus to keep ourselves safe. Right. We were born of God. Right. We keep ourselves safe, you know, in our relationship With Jesus, right? The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. This is interesting. Verse 19, we know that we are children of God, anyone who's genuinely saved, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Listen to the the weight of that. We said in the last teaching, we're not trying to be intolerant, right? But John has given us, it's clear here, okay? The Bible's Quote, intolerance is is its greatest love. Stephen was sharing that's been on his heart. And it was a great point. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one uh, and that the evil one is Satan and by extension all the demons. So, again, if you're not in Jesus Christ today, the Bible is bluntly saying that you're under the control of Satan and the demons. What do you do? Look at verse 20. We know also that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. Even in his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. There is a clear blessing and protection that believers in Jesus Christ have from the devil and the demonic forces that unbelievers do not have, okay? The one who was born of God keeps him safe and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So again, if you're not in Jesus Christ today, then Satan and the demons have access to your life in a way that they do not have with someone who's saved. Well, why is that? Because a demon can't live in you when Jesus lives in you. OK, those things can't coexist. It's been said that a genuine believer cannot be possessed by a demon or Satan, but they can be oppressed. OK, so there's a, there is an immensely greater level of protection from the devil and the demons if you're truly in Jesus Christ today. We know also that the Son of God has come, verse 20, and has given us understanding so that we may know him as true. Again, only in Jesus do you have understanding of what it means to be saved. And only in Jesus can you have understanding of what's true and right relating to God. It's only in Jesus that you can understand who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is to say, correct, any religion that doesn't have Jesus as Savior cannot in any way understand or know who God the Father is, God the Son Jesus, or God the Holy Spirit is. That's just... What it says. We know also that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. Only Jesus is true. God the father is true. Only in Jesus can we know the truth of who God is. And we are in him who is true. Even in his son. We're in the father. We're in the son. Even in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God. This is the the clearest statement that Jesus is God. He is the true, even in his son, Jesus Christ, he, Jesus, is the true God, and he, Jesus, is eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols, and we talked about that in the beginning. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for this this book. We thank you for this wonderful book of 1 John. Father, again, we thank you for another book completed. Father, I remember when we completed Romans, and I, I guess I feel the same way now, Father. I'm... I don't, I don't believe that I've done the book justice, and, uh, but I thank you, Lord, for the word of God that we have studied, the word of God that we have taught, Father. I feel like you know, there's so much meat left on the bone here in these five chapters, Father. But I thank you for your word, Father. I thank you that we still have your word, Lord Jesus. Even as you said, heaven and, word, heaven and earth will pass away, Lord Jesus, but your word, our Bible, will never pass away. Jesus, we worship you and we thank you. We do proclaim you are the true God, Lord Jesus. And you are the eternal life. We worship you and we thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message, seal this book to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.